The following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. And of course, you can also call the radio show and get some answers to your questions, generally speaking, from Dr. Franklin Weefall. We'll do the best we can. We always do well, but it's always the best we can. You know what we haven't done in a long while? No. Is go over your CV, your resume. Oh, you Lord. went to you went to school for this stuff. Well, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I met a guy this morning at the dog park. Yeah. And he was uh, wanting to be a doctor, and he didn't get into med school. Then yeah. he, he joined the Air Force and met an Air Force dentist who had just this great life. Yes. He decided to go to dental school. And, you know, he was telling me about the time and the effort. And you know how much dental school is now? You went to Virginia Commonwealth, 80000 a year. And you have to go for how many years? Uh, four. And wow. then he had to do a residency in what he called general uh, practice dentistry. Sure. So he's 31 years old, and he's real upset because he spent so much time in school, quote, unquote. Yeah. Well, I got my first job at 31. Okay, so I went to Princeton for <laughs> I went to Princeton wow. for four years. You're like the Prince Harry of medicine. Yeah, so yeah. I went to Princeton for four years. Then I went to Johns Hopkins for a grand total of six years. Should have been seven, but when I when I was in my third year of medical school, they had a um, conference every week. It's called the CPC Clinical Pathological Conference, where they had a case yeah. and they gave it blindly to a doctor you know, famous guy, and he sure. tried to figure out what it was, and he would talk about, you know, based on reviewing the chart, what he thought the diagnosis was, and yes. then the pathologist would get up and say, this is what it was, and so you, we students had to figure it out. So there was a, a case that looked like Crohn's disease, and the guy who was assigned to present it to the student, I didn't like him very much. Yeah. So I wanted to stick it in his eyeball because he walked out and said, this is obviously Crohn's disease. Let's go home. I said, well, it could be intestinal lymphoma. And everybody laughed at me. He threw the chalk at me. So they get up and they ask the students after the Han show says what it is. They ask the students what it is. Twelve of the students felt it was Crohn's disease. And one student thought it was intestinal lymphoma. And he snickered. Yeah. Well, the pathologist, you know, stood up and he goes, well, the student who thought it was intestinal lymphoma, please stand up. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. So I'm standing up and red faced and embarrassed. And he said, this is a case of Hodgkin's lymphoma of the small bowel. You were right. I was right. But only because, I mean, it could have been, you know, in looking at everything. But, you know, the students went with the obvious. If it sounds like hoofbeats, it's not zebras, it's... Right. A horse. Anyway, so then I got invited, instead of doing the fourth year of medical school, to become an intern early. Really? Yeah. So while I was a fourth year medical student, I did my internship. And so then I did two years of internal medicine after that. So instead of seven years, yeah. four of medical school, three of residency, I did six. Right. 
And then I did four years of cardiology fellowship. So that's four plus six plus four. That's 14 years of training. Unbelievable. But, you know, when I think about it, was it worth it? Heck yeah. You don't think it's worth it while you're doing it. Sure. Okay. And I did get paid a small amount of money as a resident and intern. It it was about $16,000 a year in those terms. Ask your son, your stepson, what he gets paid now. It's it's my uh, son-in-law. Son-in-law. I know what the dollar figure is, but I don't think I should tell everybody here. It is significantly higher than what I It is significantly higher than that. It is a middle-class sort of beginning professional wage. So I had two kids and a wife. I could have qualified for food stamps. Sure. And, you know, I should have got them. And, you know, why not? If you qualify for them, get them. Anyway, so the, the, the... point I'm trying to make is your doctor has done a lot of hard work. Right. And you may, yeah, there's still this thing, doctors make too much money. I'm going to tell you right now, a family doctor in general makes less than a pharmacist. Mm. And the people who make the most amount of money, and I'm going to tell you, cardiologists is right up on top there. Um, Neurosurgeons, Uh you know, they've all done like I did, 14 years of training out of high school right? to become a, a physician, a specialist, or whatever you want to say. Which might be one of the reasons why you think that it's not a good idea to nationalize the whole thing and pay you what what the civil service uh, yeah, exam I mean, would qualify you for. Let, let me tell you what's happening now um, is that nobody wants to be a hero anymore. Okay, so we talked last week about the Fauci effect on medical school applications. They were going way down. Right. Okay, now they're coming back up. And I I compare this to what happened with dogs and cats in COVID. Okay. Okay. Uh, (laughs) You think, we followed, it's crazy. He's talking about dogs and cats compared to Fauci. Sure, yeah. Well, what happened... When everybody was sent home to work from home. Yes. People were lonely because being at work is a social stimulus. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're crowding around at home. You're all by yourself or you have a significant other, but you, wouldn't spo- you weren't supposed to even hang with, them, with right. her well, sure. or him. So they went out and rescued puppies. Mm. The largest number of puppies and cats were adopted – or, you know, if you're a little rich, you went and got yourself a full-bred, you know, a, a fancy dog. Yeah. Well, what's happening now? Mm. They're all being given back. Are they really? Yeah. So it, before it was the largest number of adoptions. Now we're heading toward the largest numbers of take the dog back yeah. at the uh, kennel. Um, and I think that's going to happen with med school. Because all these people are watching Fauci <laughs> on TV. Now I get it. Right. And so they're going to say, I want to do that. Yeah, I want to yeah, be yeah, a yeah. Fauci. Yeah. And then they get to medical school. <laughs> and first year, what is it? It's anatomy. Okay. That's hard. And you walk in and they, they pull. No. no, they don't. They pull off the, the covering. Just like Quincy? Yeah. And uh. there's this body. That's the best. And let me tell you. And then they give you a textbook 
Well, I don't know if they have textbooks anymore. Is it all just on the computer? I don't know. You know, anatomy textbook, I mean, I basically use that as for weightlifting. I mean, you know, I just stuff. would, you yeah. know, pick it up. And the memorization, and sure. yeah. it's not as tough staying awake anymore because they don't keep you up all night. But I think there's going to be buyer's remorse, huge amounts of buyer's remorse. And okay. you're going to see people dropping out of med school like giving back the doggy. Yeah. You know, anyway. We have Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health News going to be on in just a little while. We also have on this show Dr. Aaron Holzauer. That's Aaron as in a female Aaron, E-R-I-N. Samaritan Purse Medical Director on the ground in Western North Carolina. What a at great, that. what a great organization. She's she's in Lenore. They set up a, a when they say field hospital, they literally mean tents. Yeah, and it's been cold in Boone or yeah. in Lenore. I mean, I, it's been very seen, cold. Have you seen pictures of the inside? No, I haven't. It ain't it. It ain't like a tent. Okay, no. it ain't like even glamping. You know, glamping is where you she, yeah. these tents that are luxury. These are field hospitals, and by that I mean intensive care units. Right. And just because they are in a temporary structure doesn't mean they're not as great as any intensive care unit you can see. I've seen these things. Right. I almost and awesome. I th- I think that in Western North Carolina we could have found some empty furniture factory. Yeah, but the, the, but that's different. Because, it's different. Yeah, because in these medical temporary facilities, they are set up. They're sterile, they're, and you know they may yeah. not be completely sterile. Yeah. But they're designed the airflow to take away. Imagine uh, take away the bad particles and stuff, the that. dust. Imagine going into an old factory. Okay. How right. how the heck are you going to um, keep that healthy? You know. We have some stories lined up, but we'd love to hear from you at nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. Radio star Larry King, who honestly I lost track of. He's got COVID. Yeah. He's uh, he's a senior individual, and I wish him the best of luck. But that, you know, just he's had some health challenges. Yeah, before now it's hard. So right? he's a very high risk individual. Tanya Roberts died of a UTI, a urinary tract infection. She was sixty five. If you remember the name, but not the the face, she was a very beautiful actress and model. And in. And she was in Charlie's Angels on the last season or something like yeah. that. And she was the James Bond girl. Right. View to a kill. She died of a UTI. How yeah. does that happen? Well, I think it's important for people to understand that a urinary tract infection can be in the bladder, yeah. which is called a bladder infection. Mm-hmm. But if the bladder infection sort of just simmers, it can reflux up the ureters. And those are the tubes that carry the urine out of the kidneys. So the kidneys filter your blood. They're amazing organs. They squeeze out the poisons. They keep the good stuff of the blood and put yeah. it back. And those, the, the urine, which is the filtered poisons and water, come down the ureters and into the bladder. The bladder fills up, and then you get rid of it right. uh, by urinating. Right. And women have a much higher tendency to get urinary tract infections because mm-hmm. there's a very short space between the outside and the bladder, whereas with a man, there's a longer space without going into detail. So, you know, you don't have to have burning and fever to have a UTI. And in fact, in many elderly people, and I don't think Tanya, she's my age, so I'm not going to call her elderly, (laughs) 
But you can have weird symptoms. I mean, you can just have a little bit of discomfort. You can have the burning when you urinate. Or in some cases, when you're very old, you know what the major symptom is when you're very old? Confusion. No. And, and so, you, you know, I'm, seriously, a guy brings in an elderly woman to my office and say, Doc, she's more confused. Bang. It's nine times out of ten a UTI. No kidding. And so a lot of people say it's, you know, they even know it's a bladder infection. Yeah. I'll drink cranberry juice. Yeah. And I'll drink lots of stuff and flush it out. Well, in this day and age, a lot of these bacteria are very nasty. And you'll hear a term gram-negative that comes from the stool because there's a, you know, the, those mm-hmm. two things down there in, in the perineum, the ureter and the anus are close together. Right. That's why mommy always taught you, wipe front to back. Okay. If you wipe back to front, you're bringing that bacteria close to the urethra. Yes which is where the urine comes out of, and it can get into the bladder. So I don't know the whole story, but you can die of what's called sepsis from a urinary tract infection. It can spread up into the kidney. Right. It's called pyelonephritis. It can get into the bloodstream, and grand-negative bacteria will make your blood pressure drop mm-hmm. and can kill you. That's what sepsis is. Unbelievable. So if you've got dysuria, which is a medical term that hurts when you pee, Go see a doctor. Mm -hmm. And in this case, you can see urgent care, a physician's assistant. Get a urine sample. Send it to the lab. Right. Because not only will they tell you you got a UTI, but they'll tell you what kind of bacteria it is. But more importantly, will an antibiotic work against it? And nowadays, we've got a lot of bacteria out there that the common antibiotics don't work. The one thing I want to tell people out there is don't let your doctor, nurse, Physician's assistant, just give you an antibiotic and not send the sample out. Because that could be a problem. You're taking an antibiotic. You think it's going to go away. You think it's going to go away. But without that urine sample, you don't know if the antibiotic's actually working against that particular bacteria. Are you guys matching the bacteria with the antibiotic? Absolutely. Right. So what I do is I take the urine sample. Sometimes, you know, they can't pee because they just peed, right? Yeah. So I'll say, take the bottle home with you. Sure. And then when you can pee, put it in the bottle, bring it back. It doesn't have to be refrigerated because you're going to want to grow what's ever in there anyway. Right. But I always start a guess antibiotic, okay? Let me guess that ciprofloxacin is going to work. Uh-huh. You, why is a doctor guessing? It's an educated guess. Okay, you're thinking that it's going to work. And then you get the sample back. Well, well it's amoxicillin that works. Ciprofloxacin yeah. won't work. You call her back and you say, stop that one. Right. Go get this one. And then the other thing you got to do, and if your doctor doesn't need this, I think you should probably insist upon it, is a week after you finish your antibiotic, give another sample. Yeah. And make sure it worked. Because I've used the right antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Come back to see that it's still there. And so the longer it festers, the more the bacteria have a chance to grow. Right go back up into the kidney and cause a very bad infection that could kill you. All right. We've got Wendy and Carrie in the visitor's lounge, in the patient lounge. Uh, Visitor's lounge. I've forgotten what we called it. What do we call it? Uh, The waiting room. The waiting room. Well, Wendy, we're going to get to you in just a little bit. We're also going to update you on the COVID numbers. They're not good, clearly. We're avoiding certain topics on today's show just because, you know, we just are. 
Voiding? That's what you do when you urinate. Not voiding. Avoiding. avoiding. We're avoiding. <laughs> We're voiding a, that topic. There's a story about <laughs> women doctors being um, better at treating certain things with women. And we'll check the, the numbers on that. And apparently statins are very good for you. Shame coming up in just a moment on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. We're still talking about these people. We haven't even turned the microphones on yet. Yeah. And we're talking about Did these they hear people. that? They should be ashamed. No, they didn't. No, okay. Yeah. This is our shame <laughs> segment. The people who are shaming are wealthy people who are yeah, trying to and wealthy bump people in line. Are, now, listen, I know a lot of wealthy people who are good souls. Yeah. And they play by the rules sure and they, they understand. Oh, yeah. They're trying to get to the head of the line on the vaccine. And, and I'm going to tell you, some of them have gotten there. And, you know, cash greases the skids for certain mm. organizations and I hope not certain doctors. But if you have a lot of money, a lot of times you think, well, the rules don't apply to me. And what happens to a lot of those wealthy people who say the rules don't apply to them? They go to jail. So the next – what we're doing now is we're vaccinating frontline healthcare workers, not me. Right. But the ER docs, the ICU docs, and we're vaccinating everybody in – Nursing homes and I, what would Rose call them? Extent uh, congregate care facility. I work in one of those. Yeah, and they changed my status. You know what they're doing is they're uh, they're trying to get the people who are fifty and above right to get get the thing yeah. right away. So it's it, you know there's you some nuance. It? You got not it? yet. Okay, not yet, but I've right. signed up. The next group are going to be the seventy five year old and older. Right. Okay, because. I mean, less than 75, it's 99.9% um, survival. Right. Greater than 75, it's 10% death rate. Okay. So if you're wealthy, I mean, no one's offered me money. And if they did, I would fire them as patients. Okay. Because that's just totally unethical. Good. And I don't want anybody to ever say that I would take money to push somebody online. But the thing they're asking me is if I have pull. You know that? You have any pull, Doc? Can you get me in first? Uh-huh. And, you know, the way it's working in North Carolina, it's going through the um, health department. Right. I'm in touch with the health department every day. When can I get them for the 75 years and older? But please, if you're wealthy, or even if you're not wealthy and you think you could spend your life savings on getting a vaccine, don't do it. The reason why you haven't been called yet is because you're less risky than the ones who've gotten it. Sure. Okay. All right, Wendy and Carrie, thank you very much. How can we help you today? Oh, yes. I just have a question about um, a family member. Sure. Um, he's a 19-year-old male, and he's had three attacks of, like, epigastric pain in his abdomen. Sure. And uh, taken him to the ER twice for this. The last episode, we've managed to stay at home, and no one can seem to find out what it is. Okay. Yeah, that's a tough thing. Um, I, I'm going to say this, uh, sometimes adolescents and post-adolescents when they have belly pain mm-hmm. are not taken seriously, okay? okay? And you can guess why. I mean, you know, he probably looks healthy, doesn't he? He looks very healthy. Yeah, and so you get this epigastric pain, and I don't know, <laughs> you remember the greatest excuse in, in school that what? to get out of school is, I, I have belly hurt. pain, That's right. my tummy hurt. Epigastric pain, what does that mean to the listeners? Okay, so... Right where your end of your ribs are, okay, down the rib belly mm-hmm. junction. It's called the epigastrium. And that's where the stomach usually is. 
and some people the stomachs on the other side. And but I'll say it's mostly the stomach. So the other thing that's close is the gallbladder. Okay. And then another thing that's close, especially in certain people, is yeah. the transverse colon. Okay, the colon that goes your colon goes up the right side, yeah. over under the epigastrium and right. down the left side and out the back. So what could it be? The most common thing is what we call gastritis. And so that's when the stomach lining gets inflamed most of the time by a bacteria uh, called Helicobacter pylori. It could also be the gallbladder. Now, what, and rarely the colon, that's usually associated with, you know, uh, diarrhea or bad constipation. What, what tests have they done? Anything? Um, the first bout was back in 19, uh, July of 19. They did a CT scan, which was negative yeah. for anything. Uh-huh. So probably not a gallbladder. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and they told me that. Um, that's the only test they've done Are so you far. kidding? Did they put him yeah. on any uh, meds? Sometimes you give a medication. No, we call a test no. of cure. Okay, so they give you what's called a PPI, a proton pump inhibitor, a meprazole, Prilosec, and they see if it goes away. Have they done that? No. Okay. All no, right. no one has done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, it, um, and, and without delving into personal details, is there a lot of stress now? I know everybody's stressed out from COVID. I would say with this individual, no. He's pretty, um, pretty lighthearted person. Good. Not a lot of stress. Good. All right. So, uh, I can't um, diagnose and treat on the phone. So, I can make a hypothetical. So suppose I had a 19-year-old with epigastric pain and the CT scan was negative. The first thing that I would do, okay, is put him on a PPI, a, a medicine to lower stomach acid. Now, there are some over-the-counter that, you, you know, that you're mm-hmm. allowed to take on your own, Pepsid, you know, Cimetidine, Tagamet. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend to my hypothetical patient to do that. What I would recommend um, is that if the discomfort's been significant and severe and is not going away, I would send this individual to a gastroenterologist and have what we call in Johnston County, have them run the light tube down the throat. (laughs) And so they call it a light tube. It's like E.T.'s finger. And what it is, it's a a scope that's got fiber optics and a light on the end, and you can actually see what's going on. Because it is very unusual um, for a healthy 19-year-old to have persistent, prolonged epigastric pain. And 19-year-olds can get ulcers, okay? So an ulcer is a bad thing because what that means is the lining of the stomach has eroded. So my recommendation is to find a doctor who thinks like me (laughs) and work through it. It's not gallstones, most likely. And it's most likely the stomach. Wendy, thank you. You're listening to the Heart Health Radio Network. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefall? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio, where you can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation and add to your understanding of certain things and keep up with the news. Rose, Have, have fun. Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health News joins us. How you doing, Rose? I'm well, gentlemen. How are you? Welcome back. Thank you. Good to talk to you. We are still breaking records, which is sad for the number of people who are hospitalized and the number of people who are uh, dying of COVID in North Carolina. 
the current <laughs> the current number hospitalized is 3,800, almost yeah. 3,900. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yesterday we had 11,500 positive cases. Yeah, I had two, two of those were mine, or my test. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I test about 7 to 10 every day, and so I'm running a positivity rate of probably 5%, 6%. For our friends in Virginia, they have uh, total cases, well, it's you know the grand total, I'm not going to read out, but the total hospitalizations there 19,000 yeah what's it are they are they uh, what's their population compared to ours do you know rose they are about the same i think they're a little smaller could be the total death numbers are similar but you know it's in the thousands yeah well, i mean our world is terrible is just 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 having lived in the dc area there's not as much there's not as many um, hospital beds in D.C. proper, right? but there's a lot of hospital beds in Northern Virginia in the Nova system. Right. So there's probably a number of people who are from Maryland and D.C. who are in hospital beds there, too. So there's, there, you know, some of this stuff, and we see this in the western part of North Carolina, that some of the hospitals that are pretty full over there are getting overflow from Tennessee. Wow. Oh, really? Oh, that's bad. Yes. Well, you know, yeah. who would have, if someone had told me a year ago when we started talking about this, 350,000 Americans have died from that. Right. And it's not stopping. It doesn't look like it's going to stop. Well, I, I, I anticipate that January, and this and it's not just me, you know, I'm not like the oracle. I've been, I, I, I read, I talk to epidemiologists, I listen to podcasts. I think all I do is think about COVID these days. And um, everything I'm hearing is that we're really in the worst time. January and a chunk of February are going to be the worst time. Because think about it. We had a big bump up from Thanksgiving that kind of seeded things. And right. then you have Christmas and New Year's right on top of that. So mm. you had more cases spread around because people gathered at Thanksgiving. And then it kind of got doubled down on mm-hmm. at Christmas and New Year's when people got together. Um, and so we're going to see the, that play out. Now, I think right now we're starting to really see the Christmas and New Year bump up. I mean, one of the guys who writes for me is currently sick with COVID that he got over the Christmas holidays. And one of my other writers um, just tested negative, but that person uh, has a, had a family member who, and it was, it's a really interesting story. I think you'll be interested in it, Dr. Sure, we'll, I would. We'll run it early next week. That uh, my my writer, a family member, saw, you know, it was an in-law, saw their family. A couple days later, the family tested positive. So my writer's family member went out and had a quick antigen test. No symptoms, but had the antigen test, which came back negative, And it was quite obviously a false negative. Right. Spent Christmas with my writer. And then that following weekend, the family member turned up positive yeah. and so my writer and you know had to sort of wait went and did the antigen test which showed negative and then confirmed it with the PCR which is the nose swab test mm-hmm. that was negative and you know was sending me texts all through this of you know giving me updates and finally texted me on Tuesday saying we got back our tests we're negative and that's a like, good thing 
You know, it's but, amazing. Everybody I know has a story that is similar to mm-hmm. that, that they've had an exposure and then they've had to wait for the test mm-hmm. or wait to have the test done. Uh, I I know that we mentioned Western North Carolina. We're later in the show. We're going to have someone on from Samaritan's Purse to talk about the the effort they're doing in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the hospitals closer to? Well, what about the hospitals all over the rest of the state? Well, we're the, the three of us are fortunate in the sense that the capital area, Raleigh, uh, or Wake County, Durham County, Orange County, those counties around, we're actually. One of the one of the least prevalent places in the state in terms of you know rates of positivity. Chatham County has only got seven percent of positive tests. Orange County, where I live, is seven percent. So we're doing well. Um, we're kind of a you know if you look at these maps that are heat maps, they get darker as the as the yes. positivity rates go up. Along the South Carolina border, however, there are a number of counties where the positivity rate is up around 17, 18, 20 percent. Good gosh. So it's um, it really depends on where you are. And I think that this is now the time for that message to really come out, which is that folks need to just you know, hunker down for a couple of weeks. It really only takes two or three weeks to stop the transmission wide. Spread, but this is the time to do it. <laughs> and the White House Coronavirus Task Force told Secretary Cohen this week that if someone was in someone else's house without a mask, that they should then just assume that they're now positive. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, Rose, so, we've got a we've got a roll. I've got two people in the waiting room here, and we need to get get their blood pressure and everything. Um, but <laughs> so so take care, and everybody go. There's much more information on and we have county by county information yes. as to where you can get a coronavirus vaccine we we did a post we surveyed every county we've only not heard from about 15 counties but we have information from every county in the state on our site very good north carolina health org. thank you rose tammy in four oaks you are on heart health radio hi tammy hey how are you doing hey what's up what what can we do for you? First of all, I love your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank now, you. Question, Dr. Weefall. Sure. Uh, I am 60. I have heart disease and multiple sclerosis. Wow. So when when it comes time that I can get this vaccine, do I have to have proof from my doctors that I have these two diseases? No. Um, they're not requiring that. And, and thank gosh they're not. Thank God they're not. Because, right. you know, um, it would be a, a, a mean thing to say, oh, you got to bring a note from your doctor. <laughs> no, you are um, definitely in that range of someone who should be vaccinated. And it's going to be in the same tier as the second-line medical professionals. So it's going... Um, the people they've done now, which is frontline medical professionals or uh, everybody who works in a frontline DR, and um, nursing home patients. The next is above the age of 75, and then the next is you. Um, and, and it's very important that you get the vaccine um, because your situation is one of inflammation. Um, and inflammation is that 
uh, excess of uh, immune cross signals, and it can make your immune system uh, hyperactive in the setting of COVID. So you are at risk. And um, the, the best way to get hooked in to getting yours in the next in line is through your physician. So what I'm doing, for example, is I'm in touch in, in, jo- in Johnston County. It's all controlled by the health department, mm-hmm. the distribution of the vaccines. I'm in touch every day to them. And I want to know the day that it's capable. I've asked for a certain number of vaccines that I can deliver in my own office. So I'm sure you have great medical professionals working in your cases. Um, talk with them. Uh, find out. Make sure you're on the top of the list, and so don't. One more question. Sure. When I take when I take my shot for my MS, which is every 14 days, uh-huh. this should I try to coordinate the vaccine uh, with this shot? And I say this because when I do take my plaguerty shot with the MS, there is two days that I am just. Sick. Yeah. I feel like I have flu symptoms, and this is just a side effect. Yeah, and and that's understandable. I would definitely. Uh, it, and your other injection is every two weeks. Yes. Yeah, I'd wait and do it in the middle of that. So get your um, previous shot that you take all the time. Get over those side effects, and then take the vaccine in between. And the reason is so you know that the side effects are from the vaccine and not from your other medication. And you've heard the things about um, people who have a really bad reaction to the vaccine. Remember, that's 50 or 60 cases out of the, what, 10 million that have been given. Yeah. And most of those individuals who have the bad side effects aren't like you. Um, they're not people with chronic significant illnesses. They're people who carry on EpiPens because they've got serious allergic reactions to chocolate or to, you know, f- certain foods. So, you know, you're going to probably have a reaction, you know, a sore arm. You might have a very low-grade fever. You might have a, you know, headache or some systemic type thing. And that's why I would definitely have it in between the two, um, in between the two-week, you know, period. So get your injection you only get wait seven days and get the vaccine thank you thank you i do appreciate your help well listen thanks for calling thank you tell everybody about us okay yeah good luck god bless you tammy and four oaks thank you wade in henderson good to hear from you how can we help you hello how are you today good good look my wife is in assisted living home close to raleigh Uh and she is getting her COVID shot today great yeah. And I'm just so excited about it. Yeah. But the problem is that they're telling me that it would be March before she can take the, the second shot. That, to me, that seems long. Yeah, that's weird. It's supposed to be two weeks. Well, they tell me that it's going to be March before she can have the second shot. And I'm so upset about it. That's like she's seven just, weeks. Well, she's in a sister living home, and yeah. they got the first two cases of COVID uh, this week. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, they had COVID in her facility? Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay, so you the people you need to talk to um, are the owners of the assisted living facility. If they can't give you an answer, and what county is it in? It's in Wake County. Oh, it's in Wake. You told me that. Hey, I got Anderson. Alzheimer's. Yeah. Call the Wake County Health Department 
um, because in, in North Carolina, the health departments are really keyed into all this stuff. And, you know, I'd just be kind of a nice guy and say, you know, my wife is at blank uh, place and I'm really happy and delighted she's getting her first COVID vaccine, but I know she needs a booster and it's supposed to be in two weeks and yet they're telling me it's not going to be till March. What gives? And then, they, know. you know, it could be a shortage of supply. Um, here's one of the things I don't know if you know. Biden has said that when he becomes president, you know, they got these holdbacks. So they're giving out a certain number for the people who need to get it right away. And then they're going to give two weeks later, they're going to give the rest. They're going to release yeah. the other vaccine. He's going to get release them all. And so what I'm worried about is there won't be enough for the two weakers who need it. You know, right. And so but the people who can give you an answer are either the owners of the facility because they may say, you know, I, and I don't know. I'm just guessing that they were put back in the line or something. But if you don't get a straight answer, call the health department and, and you know, keep calling. Yeah. Uh, don't take no for an answer in terms of or don't take I don't know for an answer. Because this is yeah. your this is your loved one, and they should be yeah. treated appropriately, and that's I, too, um, it's too long to wait. You get some limited immunity from the first injection, but you really need the, the booster to get yourself to that ninety five percent immunity yes, risk. Well, I certainly do appreciate it. Very hey, much. and we'll be praying for her and you too. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. God bless. Bye bye. That's got to be a tough thing. He's in Vance County. She's in you know in the Raleigh area, and it's just. This is a sad thing. I'm, I'm sure he's had to limit his exposure to her. Yeah. Right? This is just a terrible thing all well, around. And, and we just got to hang in there. He sounds like such a loving, caring yep. person. And this is, I think, something if, if something good comes out of this. Right. Is that we should all just love each other and look out for each other and get rid of all this hatred and, and vitriol that we're seeing nowadays. I'm not sure I saw any vitriol or hatred. I, I, I saw some a lot been, of vitriol and hatred. i gotta, I got to get a television or something because I'm yeah. missing a lot of news. Oh my I God. really am. All right, we're going to talk about uh, somebody who's just done something wonderful. She's just a terrific person overall, and that's in our shout-out segment coming up on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Whoa! You know you make me wanna kick my heels up and This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network, and we're shouting out the young lady. She's 21. Her name is Madeline Stewart. Typical spelling, Madeline Stewart. Go ahead, Google it, and you'll see a picture of a model. Why are we shouting out a model? She's got Down syndrome, and she is also an advocate for other people who have Down syndrome mm -hmm. in the world. It's awesome. And, and you know, she she models things. She does have the typical features mm -hmm. of a, an individual with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure she has the cognitive uh, difficulties that might go along with it. But it's just she interesting. don't care. What a spectrum, though. Right. You can have severe cognitive difficulties. Right. Or you can have very mild. And so there are individuals with down syndrome who have great careers right and she is a prime example um there are others who've held jobs um you know mcdonald's or things like that but there's such a wide spectrum right. of down syndrome and you know there's one country now that has no down yeah. syndrome patients and that's yeah. iceland because 
they have a big abortion plan there. And, and I'm going to just tell you right now, I think that's wrong to abort for Down syndrome. Quite frankly, for me, it's a lot of other things, too. But, you know, these are human beings. Right. And they may have an extra chromosome 21. It's also called trisomy 21. But they are human beings. They're no different from you or I in terms of the spectrum of cognitive abilities. They have a lot of other congenital heart problems and right. other types of get lymphomas. But remember, when you see a Down syndrome patient, you're seeing a fellow human being who has um, every right and ev- to, to live out their potential. Gene in Durham, you are on Heart Health Radio. Hi. Hi. What can you? we do for you? I have a question for the doctor, please. Yes, sure. go ahead. I have RA. Rheumatoid arthritis. I'm on the uh, embryo shot once a week. Mm-hmm. And I am a little bit concerned about taking the vaccine. Sure. I don't know exactly how embryo works on my body. Okay. And how the shot would conflict. Okay. Uh, Enbrel is a great medicine. Has it worked for you? It has. I'm, yeah. I'm lucky, I guess. I waited too late to take it, but yes, it is yeah. working. So it's one of these medicines um, that uh, affects the immune system. It's right. called a monoclonal antibody. We've talked about those on the show. These are um, uh, natural proteins that are made in a Petri dish. Um, they um, go against, and I won't go into all the details, but they go against one of the uh, immune um, mechanisms that's just too strong in you. Uh, you, you are attacking your own joints and right. bones by your own immune system. And so these medicines, what they do is atta- uh, they attach to those proteins that are too high and are causing your immune system to attack your bones. And they, they attenuate or they get rid of that effect, and, and it's great. And so the progression of the bone damage and the joint damage is markedly reduced by what you have. There's no evidence, and a lot of people who are on Enbrel and other, there are many other types, we won't go into Ahimira and all these other medications right. that work in similar ways, but against different proteins. And there's no evidence that it's bad uh, to get the virus too. And you mean the vaccine? The, I, so you know, I do always, this all the time. Always bad and to you know, get that's the not, virus. I'm not alone. And get the vaccine too. Now, the interesting thing is that they used to think if you got COVID, yeah, with rheumatoid arthritis, that you know it was really severe. But it turns out your risk of having a bad reaction is less if you're on Enbro, and that seems to be because one of the things that causes COVID to be so bad is this hijacking of your immune system and creating too much of the um, immune reaction, the things that make your lungs go bad. So long story short, make sure you check with your rheumatologist because there may be an individual situation with your case that he may say not to take the vaccine. But everything that I've read is that they recommend it um, and they uh, the powers that be do not think that it's going to be a problem. 
and it's open to you. You'd be in that tier of a chronic illness. Um, you're not 75. You're my age. I am 75. Oh, I thought okay. you said you were 60. But anyway, never no, mind. No, I'm 70. I think the other caller was 60. And this is my Alzheimer's coming in. No, but no. So <laughs> y- you would be first in line as soon as they give uh, everybody um, who is either in a nursing home or frontline medical uh, providers. You are in the first line. So make sure you're communicating with your physician. If 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 I would definitely talk to your rheumatologist in case there's not something that he or she knows that I don't know that he might right. want you not to have the vaccine. But I, I just can't imagine that you can't have it. And I think you need it. Gene, thank well, you. I'm, okay. I'm thinking that they certainly haven't tested it with this particular uh, drug. Actually, they have given it to people with rheumatoid arthritis and they've oh, done well. okay. Yeah. They wanted to include a lot of people with chronic illness. And okay. so, oh, okay. yeah, they, they have tested it in people uh, like you. Thank you, Gene. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. And good uh, luck. Uh, I, think, I think I should have signed up for the test. Honestly, I should have. Really? You know, I got an email from the company that did some of the testing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. This was months ago. Oh, I, you mean to sign up for the Yeah, thing? be in the clinical study. I got rejected. Well, I, and they wouldn't even tell me why. One of many times this week, I'm sure. I, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but the point is, is that I got this email and I said, yeah, I want to do it. Yeah. And I answered all the questions truthfully. And they, a big old thing said rejected, rejected, rejected. Yeah. Well, you know, it so. happens. Listen, the, uh, without getting into the details, because we don't have time or even the energy to get into it. Somebody was hit with a fire extinguisher inside a u.s federal government building yeah. and later died right later died and that's the thing that makes you un- want to understand yeah, explain this to me okay, he died so, of an epidural hema- hematoma yes hematoga no hematoma okay but anyway he uh, a hematoga is what julius caesar had <laughs> okay when he Whatever. got stabbed anyway, Whatever. so they 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 uh rushed the capital they stormed the capital and some of these crazy people attacked the people inside yes okay and this guard who is a hero he he fought against these horrible individuals who were trying to disrupt a sacrosanct proceeding um as vital to our country as anything else and they hit him over the head with a fire extinguisher now fire extinguishers are heavy and they smashed his head and he woke up after being knocked unconscious, and went to his office where he did some more work and then collapsed. And that is a, and died. And that is a classic presentation for what's called an epidural hematoma. There is an artery running right under your, your skull called the epidural artery. It feeds the lining of the brain, and it's very easily ruptured with a bang on the head on the noggin. And so the classic presentation is you get knocked out from the, you know, the shock of the hit, and then you wake up and the blood slowly leaks out of that artery and then compresses your brain. And it, it can be treated immediately if you recognize the situation um, and you have a drill. And do not do this at home. But the, gone the answer the is, is that yes. if somebody's aware of it, they could have saved his life immediately. You know, these movies, they, yeah. they show these movies, they knock somebody out and then they just don't care about them, right? Right. That's not true. If right. you're knocked out, you should see a doctor. If you had a loss of consciousness, right. you need a CT scan. We are Heart Health Radio.
Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. We are the flagship radio station of the Heart Health Radio Network, which, by the way, is heard on some other frequencies. You may be driving around the state and hear this show, or you could go to Apple Podcasts. That would be a good thing, or hearthealthradio.com. Dr. Weefald, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, We had um, a lot of things to talk about today. We have a brand-new cholesterol pill that's not a statin. Then we got a bunch of news about statins. We've got... um, a story about poop and colon cancer. The, a great combination to know about. I'm going to try to be mature through the entire show. Oh, come on. Poop is a, it's an important thing. There is it's, an entire specialty. Dr. Poop. You know? <laughs> there is. That'd be a great. That, the pimple popper. Well, Dr. Poop. You talking just, about poop. You say to yourself, you know, there's the guy who didn't go to cardiology school. Yeah. Is it Rory? You know, he kind of didn't do well in his cardiology residency and therefore he went into that field remind me a story about my proctologist gastroenterologist friend (laughs) it's about cleaning up the office no no, no. i don't want to talk about this i don't want to talk about that although there's something in the stack here of, of material that we have for the for the hour that includes the word it's prostate wire or prostate butterfly Butterfly. It's yeah. a, is it a metal thing? It's that a metal they, thing. It's great. It, yeah, it's great for you. It's not yeah. so great. If you talk I've about got, that. I've got BPH. I've got a thick prostate. If you start talking about putting in some artificial thing near the prostate, can I be excused? No. Okay. So i got to no. stay. All right. No. We also tease that we're going to talk about women as... Doctors for women. Yeah. Do women doctors, uh, female doctors, yes. do a better job of treating female heart attack patients? And I think women, study I think women do a better job across I the have, board. I have a woman physician. I have two women physicians Good to take you. care of me. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to talk about sexism in a sense. Um, it's great. I think women doctors are wonderful. Wonderful. You're looking for the study. No. Oh, I got it. All right. So the the study came out saying that if you are a woman with a heart attack, you are at higher risk of death. That is true. Okay. And so the question became why? And so women are very difficult sometimes <laughs> to diagnose. And it's not a sexist thing. There seems to be a physical reason we don't know yet that when women have heart attacks, they don't commonly have the common symptoms. So you know, a man walks in and says, I have mid-sternal, you know, or ch- like an elephant sitting on my chest. It's yeah. going to my shoulder. I'm sweaty. Duh. Okay, that's what's in the textbook. But quite frequently, and I see this all the time, women say, I'm tired. I'm just wiped out. I yeah. can't do the things I'm going to do. I'm short of breath. If you ask them if they're having chest discomfort, they often say, not a lick. Yeah. You know, and maybe their arm aches. And a lot of times it's nausea or discomfort in the abdomen. 
not the chest. And so we knew that. And so women who have heart attacks, especially over the age of 75, have a higher mortality risk uh, than men. And so one of the questions was, well, what if we had a woman treat them mm-hmm. as opposed to a man? Maybe it's sexism. The man, and it's, this is what I see a lot in the outpatient diagnosis, is that women come to me and said, well, the doc told me it was all in my head. And then I do the appropriate workup and testing and, and take them seriously, and it's all in their heart. And they get a stent or they get a yeah. bypass or, or get the right medication. So, you know, they think, well, maybe women will take women more seriously. And? So they come out with this big article saying women who get women physicians have a less chance of dying of a heart attack. And you know what the numbers were? What? And these are sick patients. I mean, the high risk of dying. 13.2% of women treated by men had a heart attack that killed them. You know what the the number was for women treated by women? No. 12.9%. Now, let me just tell you this. Don't believe this study, okay? If you're a woman and you go into the hospital and you've never had a cardiologist and you're assigned a man, judge that person not by their sex, but why do they look you in the eye? Do they sympathize? Do they have empathy? Do they believe what you say? Do they take what you say seriously? Are they spending time with you? And let me tell you, those those attributes can be in a man and a woman. And I think you don't want to let this study say, I don't want you, I want a woman, because the study says the woman's going to keep me alive better than you are. Because that's just BS. 13.1 versus 12.9. And that, I'm sorry, no matter what they say, is no difference. And there are so many cardiologists in this area, mm-hmm. or let's just break it down to to any of the specialties. If you have cancer, there are so many chemotherapy mm-hmm. experts in this area who are world-renowned. Absolutely. Not just renowned in the hospital or the right. state, but world-renowned. And I, I think that um, the concept that a woman naturally uh, will take care of you better than a man should be put out of your mind. It's the quality of the individual. And sure, there are men who are arrogant, who aren't going to take you seriously. Doctors? Yeah. Really? It's terrible. But let me tell you, I know some women yeah. who are just like that. I and think that don't, a lo- don't just choose your doctor based on sex. I think that a lot of women think or believe, or perhaps they're right, that men do not listen to them. Oh, My, it's true. M- it's no, very that true. That is true. But the difference in survival rates is so, I mean, it's, I don't think it's significant. It's minuscule. All right. But pick your physician based on their individual qualities, okay? All right. And like I said, do they look you in the eye? Do they take you seriously? Do they listen to what you say? Do they spend time with you? Um, and, and you'll be okay if that happens, be it a man or a woman. My wife says there are two things wrong with men. There's a whole lot more than that. She says, well, she says, number one is that they don't listen. That's true. Okay. And I was going to go back to something else about women. I do know some women, cardiologists, who yeah. overcompensate. And by that I mean they think to be taken seriously. Yes. They have to really be aggressive. 
and really throw their weight around and really do, you know, things that are unnecessary. And not only that when you go to a party with them, they're exactly the opposite. Yeah. So there's a lot of this in medicine. And the thing I want to remind everybody is your choice. You can pick your doctor. Yeah. You can fire your doctor. All right. I'm going to set the joke up again and okay. just see if you can go for it. My wife says that there are two things wrong with men. Okay. One is that they never listen. And the second, I, I have no, I, I have I no idea. Remember. I don't know. I, I don't, don't remember what she I said. I, I mean, yeah. I tuned her out at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, I, I, I started doing something else. <laughs> I asked, right. her for a cu- I asked her to make me a sandwich and, a cup, and get me a cup of coffee. All right. Since we're already in trouble, uh, yeah. at least with my family, yeah. the poop colon cancer story, can we get it out of the way? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that happens in my office is that we get to the point where, you know, we're screening for colon cancer. We do it. You age 50, you get one. You get yeah. a colonoscopy. Yeah. And then if you have polyps, you need another one in a couple of years. If you don't, you need one in 10 years. And everybody thinks that's what it is. There's also Cologuard, which come, came out, yeah. which is you test your poop and there's a, a certain thing in the poop. And then you have, you know, there's a high risk of colon cancer or a low risk. They're false positives yeah. in both. Yeah. And so, you know, if you pay attention to your poop, and it's really funny, um, the older generation, they can tell me to the minute, the last time they had a bowel movement, <laughs> what it looked like, how, you know, remember that story we did, it should be 22 seconds, you have a bowel movement, that's it, you know, or something like that. <laughs> so constipation is a big problem. But we used to ask these questions because they were very, very helpful because we didn't have back in my day, a, this, you know, uh, colon um, screening, boom, you get a colonoscopy right away. Right. Pencil stools, okay? What does that mean? It means you have a bowel movement, and it comes out as narrow as a pencil. Hmm. You ever had that? Yes. Are you one of those people who don't look? I don't look. Okay. I look. And you should look. (laughs) Because if it's narrow as a pencil, even if it doesn't hurt, okay? I mean, have you ever made pasta? Please. Okay. I mean, you can make really narrow pasta. You can make big, thick pasta. Sure, yes. Rectal cancer. It's like a, a tightening it, of the pasta machine. Is that a sign? Sign of colon cancer, yeah. Pencil stools. And I don't mean, and don't, don't grab it out of the toilet and start writing. No, no, no. But I, a, a, one as thin as a pencil. Thin as a pencil. Go see your doctor. Okay. Now, the other thing is, if it hurts, yeah, if you oh, yeah. take a poop and it hurts and it hasn't hurt before, yeah. don't just say you have a hemorrhoid, okay? Um, because dyskesia, D-Y-S-C-H-E-Z-I-A, that's the term we use, shouldn't happen, okay? It shouldn't hurt to have a poop. Now, a poop that hurts with blood in the, sto- in the bowl, yeah. that's often a hemorrhoid. Do not, do not just pass it off as a hemorrhoid. Get checked. I mean, nine times out of 10 or six times out of 10, it might be something benign. But this is something that you should be aware of that is something to be concerned of. Now, there's something called tenesmus, okay? That is a medical term. Yeah. And it, it's like, it feels like you got to go, but there's nothing there to go. Yes. 
okay? And that's called tenesmus, and that can be a sign that you have something wrong with the colon, and it could be colon cancer. Now, rectal bleeding, obviously. Sure. Don't say I've got a hemorrhoid. Just get that checked out right away. And then, believe it or not, if you just are fatigued and, and pale, yeah, it's a sign that you could be anemic. And why is anemia a big association? Because colon cancers bleed slowly a lot. Okay, they um, can make you profoundly anemic. I saw somebody who came in um, just had a heart attack. Yeah, like before, and was coming in really short of breath, really fatigued, and had a positive stress test and went to the um, uh, hospital. Right, was markedly anemic, and it turned out didn't have colon cancer, but had a precancerous polyp in the colon. Fix that, transfused them up, and it's back to normal. Yeah. And so profound. And you know how you, one t- way you can tell you're anemic is you pull down your lower eyelid. Yeah. And it should be pink, and there should be little vessels in there. If it's white, that inner eyelid, then that's maybe a sign that you're anemic. Okay. And abdominal pain. Um, uh, most of the time, colon cancers are not painful, but sometimes they can. And you can have just diffuse abdominal pain. So that's our poop story. Thank you. I'm just so glad we can move on. Marie. <laughs> Marie from Raleigh. How are you today? I'm Marie. I'm just great. Hey, what's Dave, up? did yes. you know that the doctor that's sitting next to you yeah. graduated at the top of his class at John Hopkins? Well, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. I didn't know. Yes, that. you did know it too, because who is it? on the radio show you were on once, uh, Doctor Peter Smith went on that show and he let it out. Oh my gosh! Don't you I... remember that? Yeah, now I do. But remember, I'm getting old, Marie. Huh? I'm going to be 62 next month. Yeah. Can you believe That's it? An old man. When you met me, I was a young guy in my 40s. Yeah. Can you believe that, Marie? How you doing? How's your health? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Anything uh, Anything come up I've with your new doctor? I've got doctors? a little bit of a cold on me here, but uh, I will survive. I had one more question I wanted to ask Dr. Sure. Freefall. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, my, uh, I told you once on your show, my daughter had the bi- uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, is, is she, I, am I safe to be around her now after it's been about two months? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So she, does she she can, uh, will not get it again, or is there a chance that she'd get it again? Go to go the to gym. where the gym, uh, Marie. Where are you concerned that she's going to go to? In my house. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. It, it, I think it's perfectly safe. Um, what we know about immunity is that it it's pretty persistent. There have been some controversies, but after two months, she's not infectious she's not going to give it to you okay Okay. now is it possible that she could yeah it is very possible um i mean it is mildly possible and you know just be just use your precautions i mean if she's got a fever if she's you know sick and stuff like that just avoid it Uh, the other thing is um just did, did she ever get retested to see if she's gotten rid of it completely no, she yeah. didn't. She might want to do that. I mean, 
and this is overkill. It's not recommended by the CDC. But when I get together with my family, mm-hmm. um, if we're getting together on a on a Saturday, I we test everybody on Thursday. Good. We get the answers on Friday. I, my lab turns around the PCR very well. Yeah. And you know you might want to do that. Um, but here's the guidelines: no more than ten people in an indoor party, and and make sure that. Most of them yeah. um, have been, all of them have been taking precautions. But I think it'd be safe for your daughter to come see you. Marie, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Lee in Chapel Hill, we're going to get you on in just a moment. Also, the shame segment coming up and your phone calls, 919-860-9783. Also, in just a couple of moments, I don't want to forget this. Dr. Aaron Holzauer from Samaritan's Purse. We'll be on talking about what they're doing in Western North Carolina with that field hospital on Heart Health Radio. It's funny, sometimes we don't want to approach certain topics and sometimes we jump right in. In our shame segment today, and we'll move on quickly, anybody who hit a Capitol Police officer in the last couple of days. How about yeah. that? Or in the last week. And I'm going to expand that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if people know. I'm conservative. And what do conservatives believe? We believe in the sacrosanct concept of our American Constitution and, and law mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. follow through. That's why most of us were upset about the riots this summer. But give me a break. The concept that they're going to storm the Capitol and prevent the um, the finalization of uh, President-elect Biden's election. You know, we go through processes, mob mentality. I bet you so many of those people regret yeah. what they did. Yeah. And you get together and there's a mob frenzy. And what happens? You go, you just, your mind gets rid of. Mm-hmm. Those stop signs and inhibitions that would normally um, make you not do something like that. It's horrible. Lee in Chapel Hill, you're on Heart Health Radio. How you doing? Okay, Dave, Dr. Weevil. How are you? Anybody, anybody, I, think, I thought I would comment on what was said earlier. Yeah. Anybody that would suggest that female doctors are better than male doctors, uh-huh. it doesn't matter which gender they're treating, that is as, as stupid as Joe Biden saying he's going to pick a woman over a man. And, of course, the the words stupid and Joe Biden, they kind of go oh together. And it's a shame what happened up in Washington, D.C. But um, it, it, it gave CNN, MSNBC, two stations who are notorious for being liberal, it gave them fodder to further uh, stomp uh, uh, President Trump into the ground. I, yeah, we understand. It's pathetic on their part. Is okay. there any medical-related question? No, please, oh, please. Uh, I thought I would comment on that. That's and fine. this time, I usually like call in on Thank you. that. Thank but you. this time, no. But thank you. All right, take care. All right, care. you take care. Um, All right, let's talk about venting. Yeah. You know, in my car, there's a little 
sign next to mm-hmm. the air conditioner that says vent. Yeah, vent. Is that good? Uh, yeah, it is good. Uh, is Venting is good to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that people use as a justification for storming the Capitol is that they were frustrated, they're their uh, political views weren't being listened to by MSNBC, sure. by these other places. And so, yeah, getting together in a peaceful demonstration is what we do. And so venting as a medical point of view, mm-hmm. your blood pressure goes up when you're upset. Yeah, Your heart rate goes up. Um, people have popped an aneurysm and died from being. And then there were a couple that died of quote unquote medical conditions. So when you're in this frenzy, this mob mentality, you can have a heart attack and die because of the um, elevated levels of stress hormones and stuff like that. So vent in a different way. Shout. Say what you believe. Mm -hmm. Um, Be with a group of people who can um, help you know that there are other people on your side. But violence is an inciting Violence and telling people to go down to the Capitol, show them what you mean. I mean, what did Giuliani say? Mm-hmm. We lost in courts. Now it's trial by combat. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's incent, in, you know, inciting insurrection. And the other thing is, it makes us all look bad. All the conservatives were lumped together with that, and I hate it. Smart watches. Are they yeah. so smart? Can they help me with my health? Uh, you know, there's a guy named Eric Topol, and I he was a fellow at Hopkins when I was a um, resident, and he just promotes the Apple Watch for AFib right and left. Yeah. I don't think it's good to diagnose AFib, to tell you, uh, you've been fine in the past, now you got AFib. That's 70% false positive. Um, it's best to watch your symptoms. But here's one place I think it can happen. If you have AFib and they're not sure whether it's coming on a lot and it, your, your heart watch, your heart uh, Apple watch picks it up, then yeah. you can use that as a, a thing. But, you know, make sure you've got it what we call calibrated and that it works. But don't rely on it. Don't say, ah, oh, you know, my Apple watch tells right. me I'm fine. We are a little like years, uh, maybe, away from wearable things that doctors like you are going to trust. Well, I, there's some I trust now. Okay. Um, there are implantable blood pressure uh, monitors now. I mean, if you want to get it, they put it in your artery. Yeah. And it reads off your, just like the uh, implantable that. blood, I mean, glucose thing. But the problem with that is, is that, every, you know, they're looking at it. Yeah. Every five seconds. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. Not, that's not good. We'll talk more uh, in just a moment. Dr. Aaron Holzauer of Samaritan's Purse on this radio show. We're going to talk about that uh, clinic in Lenore. Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. I'm Dave Alexander. This is Dr. Franklin Weefald. Hello, sir. Hey, hey. We've got on the line... Aaron Holzauer of Samaritan Purse. Aaron, thank you very much for making some time. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good. She is a nurse right. with Samaritan's Purse. We've been calling you a doctor. I hope a you don't mind. A nurse with Samaritan's Purse. <laughs> no, no. The cat no. in the hat. The nurse with the purse. You, the, the group has opened a 30-bed emergency field hospital in Lenore. What is... What precipitated that? What kind of numbers precipitated that? 
Yeah, sure. So the case counts in this region of North Carolina have really been rising over the last few weeks, um, and there's about five hospitals. They came together, um, decided, hey, our inpatient bed count is rising. Um, so Caldwell, which is where the field hospital is located, they're over max. Um, they're holding patients in their PACU um, in the hallways, and so um, they reached out to Samaritan's first to see if we would be able to help. What is the... Uh, these are tents, Am I correct? I've been corrected sure. by Dr. Franklin Weefall. He told me, well, there are tents, but they're the best tents. Yeah, you I mean, these are really good structures, right? Yeah, so it's actually a similar um, tent technology to what the military uses in their field hospitals. Yeah, it's really amazing. What's what's the material? Um, it's not a plastic. It's some kind of composite that makes Yeah, a... it's called a Losberger tent, uh-huh. and it's, um, they're air-inflated tubes that hold the structure up. Uh-huh. All right. I, I so, remember the one in New York, there was a big storm, and everybody thought it was going to blow away. It held up really well, didn't it? Yeah, they can uh, they can sustain uh, major winds. Recently, um, it, the last 48 hours, it's been snowing in Lenore. Um, we, they, they held up in the snow, and they're nice and warm inside for our patients. Yeah, it's, so, like, it's like a regular building inside. So, Aaron, how many patients are there now in the field hospitals? Uh, yeah, so as of this morning, we had 12. We're expecting five to six more admissions today. Good. Um, so that's currently happening. Um, those those additional admissions are being brought over as we speak. You've got a total capacity of what? 30. 30 people. Right. Let you me, could me, run out of space soon. Well, I hope not. But what a great thing they're doing. Let me ask you a question. Are, are the physicians volunteers or are they employees of Samaritan's Purse? Sure. So um, the tent is staffed with people from our disaster assistance response team. They're contracted employees of Samaritan's Purse. Um, They travel all over the world with us. All of our providers currently here in Lenore were either at our COVID field hospital in Italy or New York. So um, they've got lots of experience treating COVID patients. And we basically call them up, say, hey, can you fly to Lenore tomorrow? And they say yes, and their contract kicks in. Okay, and so you have money from the charity that goes to the physicians, or are they just doing it uh, pro bono? I mean, you know, they just uh, volunteering. Yep, they get so Samaritan's Purse is fully funded on donations, and um, all of our clinical staff, as well as our support staff, uh, they do get paid. What a great thing you all are yep. doing! I mean, and and most of the donations to the uh, group are individual. I mean, is it like? You know, just a, a charity that just the money comes in and then you guys use it to do this. Yes, that's correct. Um, it's mostly private donations from just generous people who have seen the work that SP is doing, that Samaritan's Purse is doing, and, you know, they want to be a part of it and they want to help. All right. I want everybody to know how to contact yeah, I want Samaritan's to Purse. Tell me how I can for, for folks who are they're like, wait a minute, I've heard of those folks. I ju- I'm not sure. This is Franklin Graham's group. This is the Billy Graham's organization, and they're located in Boone. Where can we contact you if we feel called upon to to donate? Yeah, so you can go straight to our website at SamaritansPurse.org. You'll see um, on the very front page right now is a big picture of our first patient being wheeled in to the field hospital in Lenore. You can click on that link, and we'd really appreciate, appreciate your donations and your prayers. All right, Aaron. Thank you very much, and God Thanks bless you God bless you and what you're doing. 
And I apologize for downgrading you to uh, doctor status <laughs> in my promotional uh, announcements about this. She's a nurse. No she's better yep, than a doctor. Yeah, she's better yep. than a doctor. Thank okay. you, Aaron. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Shorty and Selma, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing, Shorty? I'm doing good. Today. I was I was talking to Dave about you <laughs> earlier. I'm, I'm still in waiting. And so... Shorty... Uh, maybe I'm not... Shorty, let me just give the the mini version of this. You were diagnosed. You had COVID. She, had, she was symptomatic, but she beat it, yeah. You beat the thing. Yet you've been going back again and again to get a COVID test. Yes. Are you still registering as COVID positive? Yes. And so, you know, Shorty is... Um, probably one of five or six patients we've had like this. And the CDC recommends not even retesting. But about one in 32 people still carry the virus in their nose even though they've beaten it. The virus Mm -hmm. just hasn't been killed. I don't know whether it's transmissible that way. But one of the things that I worry about, Shorty, is someone like you giving it to me and then I give it to somebody who's not as strong as you are, Shorty, and then right. dying. So I'm still looking this up. But what I'm asking Shorty to do is rinse her nose out with saline. And I think I should do this every day. You know, you brush your teeth, right? Yes, I do. Okay. That gets rid of the bacteria on your teeth. Okay. Well, I use a nasal saline spray. It's called a Neomed bottle. It's a little bottle. Mm-hmm. You mix in the right amount of salt and everything, and you stick it in one schnoz, and you squeeze it, and it comes out the other. Yeah. It's like brushing your teeth for your nose. So I don't know. Shorty's been doing it. How are you feeling now? Are you completely healed up and feeling great? I'm feeling good. Yeah. I think the next one's going to be negative. We just can't get it. Yeah. I had an, em- I had an employee who was positive for six weeks. Oh, wow. I wanted to tell you, too. Uh, yeah. I had... Another thing, too. Yeah. Uh, the doctors that are women, I yes. prefer to men, and I can tell you why. Oh, my gosh. Uh, are you, Shorty, you're going to make people angry. Yeah, go, go the ahead. The doctor is not as compassionate about the ailments of a, a female. You believe that women doctors are not, not as right. compassionate. It was the attitude. Oh, I've done, done that. You'll you get over it, you know. That sort of thing. But yeah. men are very more passionate about that. And and I prefer uh, Dr. Wayfall and Dr. Peekaboo, and they look after me. Shorty, but, thank you. you. She's not alone. I mean, I've had some um, women patients who don't go see women's gynecologists. They want a man. Really? Uh, yeah. They think, I don't know. But I'm just going to tell you this. Pick your doctor, not by sex, but by the qualities of their character. That's good. Shorty, thank you. Love you, Shorty. I have one more. Yes, oh, go yeah. ahead. A lady that was talking about the Samaritan's Purse. Yes. Uh, m- most churches around, they do a Samaritan's Purse. You say, like a cigar box, and uh-huh. they fill it with items for the children. Right. And for the people that don't have anything, and then it's mailed over. And, and uh, Graham has got um, uh, the Franklin has got the big trucks that carries it to yes. where it's needed. So that's a good thing. If anybody asks about the Samaritan's Purse, right. that's one thing that pop in your mind. Right. They so, do the Christmas thing, and then they and then they uh, 
They work in a hundred countries. We silently, you know, quietly. It's not like they're making a big deal of it. They work in a hundred countries. I didn't realize how big it was. Shorty, thank you. Love you, Shorty. Very glad you called. This is Heart Health Radio with the telephone number 919-860-9783 on the Heart Health Radio Network. Let's see. You told me that statins are a big deal on today's show. Statins and chemo. Statins and dementia. Yep. Um, What is it? I am the anti-people's pharmacy when it comes to statins. Yeah. And, And it's like... Anything else? I mean, I have so many people who are anti-COVID vaccine mm-hmm. because of all the stuff they read about it, and I, I can't tell you the patients who walk and say, "Don't even think about giving me a statin drug; it ruined my brother's health." Okay. And I say, "What happened?" And they say, "Well, he took one dose, and his legs got weak, and he couldn't walk." Now, any medication has a side effect, yeah. uh, potential side effects, and. You know, everybody says oh, the statin drugs made my legs weak. And let me tell you, or her, yeah. they did a study. And I don't know how they got this by the ethics committee, but they told the patient they were taking a statin, and it was a placebo. Mm-hmm. They told the patient they were taking a placebo, and it was a statin. So they had two groups. <laughs> I fooled you. They lied to both groups? And guess who had the most muscle aches and said that it was bad? <laughs> it was the people who were getting the sugar pill yeah. who told were told it was a statin. And the people who got statins were told a sugar pill? Hardly anybody All know, right. complained of aches. So the power of suggestion is really high. But I'm going to tell you, these drugs are amazing. And... Sure, you got to be monitored. One in 10,000 may have a liver problem. You know, you might get, you know, there's a real serious in certain individuals, their muscles start to break down, and that's called rhabdomyolysis. But if you have a good doctor, they're going to monitor, and when that happens, boom. Right. So a lot of people won't take them because of, you know, this Auntie Sue told me this or Billie Jean. Not only have they been the number one reason why strokes and heart attacks have really dropped, over the, my, my lifetime as a physician. It's incredible. But now they're finding that they're really good for other things. Um, and everybody thinks, well, they lower cholesterol. There's some mechanism where they reduce inflammation in your whole body. We don't understand that. Okay. But if you take a statin, for example, and your cholesterol hadn't had time to lower, even in those first few weeks, your risk of a heart attack goes down. And as we talked before, inflammation is one of the big bugaboos. When you have less inflammation, you have less of a chance of a heart attack. Well, women get breast cancer. It's, it's men do too, but it's obviously women who get it from far away. They, well, they sometimes get these uh, chemotherapeutic agents, these chemicals, that in certain cases can weaken the heart and cause what we call heart failure, where the heart's too weak to pump the blood right. and your lungs fill out with fluid. It turns out. Those people who've been taking statin and who get the chemotherapy have a much lower risk of heart failure, okay? Hmm. So, again, it's not something that you should take to prevent heart failure unless they do the study, and they're going to do the study. They're going to do the study of people who aren't exposed to statins who need these chemotherapeutic agents for breast cancer. They'll give half the statin and half a sugar pill, and they're going to see if it reduces the risk in that way. 
Um, it, it's amazing. And now, dementia. I can't tell you the number of people who say, my memory's not as good since I took a statin. Well, that's an old shibboleth. Okay? Shibboleth is an old wives' tale. Because they've shown that, too. They've given people a sugar pill yeah. and told them it was a statin, and they gave a statin and told the sugar pill, and the memory impairments were more in the people who said that, or who people who got the sugar pill and was told it was a statin. Well, now the, the evidence is coming out. People who have uh, taken statins have a lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. Now, again, I'm going to tell you, they got to prove it. Uh, they got to do the double blind study. They got to give some people a statin and some people a sugar pill and follow them and see who gets dementia. But if you look at all the dementia patients, now, why could that be? Not all dementia is Alzheimer's. There's a large group of dementia patients that we have called Alzheimer's, and what they really have is what we call multi-infarct dementia. They have thousands of little strokes that make them demented so they yeah. don't have a memory. So it makes sense if you take a statin, you're going to have less risk of a stroke. You'll have less risk of this multi-infarct dementia. So when they say it prevents Alzheimer's, it's not necessarily Alzheimer's. It could be these multi-infarct dementia patients, which we have confused with Alzheimer's. Do, do we have a really good, like a blood test for Alzheimer's? Not yet. We really do checklists, don't we? Yeah. So it's, you know, memory, how, it, how the memory's been affected. Is it short-term, long-term? You always want to exclude. Um, if, you know, if, if, suppose you are going in for, for a screen for memory loss. Yeah. Make sure they test you for B12. Okay. I can't tell you. It's like an epidemic of B12 deficiency. And I think it's linked to all the antacids that we take. Because B12, to be absorbed in your body, it has to be an acidic environment in your, in your stomach. You have to have acid to bind it up and absorb it. And so B12 can cause dementia. I mean, we're going to have a special segment on I show in the future. I remember these great cases. Well, one great case, and I'll just tell you real quick, was B12 deficiency. Yeah. The guy was put in a mental hospital because he was talking out of his mind and his wife thought he was crazy and stuff. I went in to see him and he couldn't walk, his muscles were weak, he was demented, delirious. Yeah. yeah. What's his B12 level? Oh, yeah, injector. It was like zero. Okay. What am I supposed to eat to get B12? Uh, green leafy vegetables and my favorite food, meat. But yeah. the thing is, you it's a complicated way you absorb B12. You have to have enough acid in your stomach to get the protein, which is called intrinsic factor, if you want to know, mm -hmm. to bind up the B12. Then it travels through your lower intestine and is absorbed in the ileum. So if you have, for example, Crohn's disease yeah. and your ileum doesn't work, you're going to get B12 deficient. If you've had gastric bypass surgery, for some reason you don't absorb your B12 as much. Right. And if you're taking a lot of emeprazole or Prilosec, you may get B12 deficient. There's B12 everywhere. Um, so anyway, so we gave this guy B12 shots, and within a week, he was home, back to normal. Really? So you check the B12, you check the thyroid, um, you check a syphilis test. And I hate to say people get all upset. You think I have syphilis? No, but it's part of the routine. And I had Sure, you got a test. Listen, I picked it up. Yeah. The guy had been in Vietnam in 1967. He'd had one... Um, you know, what they call interaction, da, 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 and no symptoms. And he picked up syphilis then, and it went to his brain. Wow. And we cured it. Now, there's permanent brain damage with syphilis, but he did get better. 
And then you need to get an MRI. Uh, the reason is multi, multiple infarcts in your brain. And that can lead to dementia. But I picked up what's called a subdural hematoma. Now, we talked about epidural hematomas. Those right. subdurals are on the inside, and they slowly push the brain down. It's what, it's what uh, uh, President Reagan had. Yeah. So Reagan was developing Alzheimer's, and then he fell off his horse and didn't tell anybody. And then one day he was in a board meeting and pulled down his pants and went oh, to the bathroom no. in the board meeting. I didn't, didn't know, know where he was. And he had a subdural hematoma from that uh, horse accident. Right. And they drained it, and he got a little bit better. But a lot of times, brain injuries will accelerate Alzheimer's and dementia. So yeah. you, you have checked out. And and we used to do a spinal tap because there are certain conditions in the spine. But almost, I mean, in the spinal fluid. Yeah. There's something, I don't know if you've, and I, this is an underdiagnosed um, disease where your um brain gets affected and the ventricles in the brain um, expand. It's called normal pressure hydrocephalus. And that is a common cause. Uh, no, it's an uncommon cause, but it's missed. Yeah. And you get you put a drain in the brain and you get better. So if you're being evaluated um, for memory loss and the possibility of Alzheimer's, there's no blood test for Alzheimer's, but it's the blood test to exclude the things that could be reversed. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank and you. If your doctor doesn't do anything and just tell you you have Alzheimer, get a new doctor. All right. I got a neighbor who comes over with things and he tells me things. And I just. Oh, no. And no, no, no. I mean, most of it, it's fairly well researched. He's telling me now, you don't want to eat liver. You don't want to eat liver. Because you know what the liver does? And this, now I'm going to have, I'm going to pose that question okay. to you coming up. Also yeah. during our. Uh, a shout-out segment uh, in in just a moment or two. 919-860-9783 is our telephone number. This is Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down, throw my hands up and down, throw my This is Heart Health Radio. If you'd like to nominate somebody for the shout-out segment, call us up. 919-860-9783. Or email me, drwefald at at gmail.com. D-R-W-E-F-A-L-D. And then we'll shout-out your shout-out. Yeah, because we've run dry. Listen, the world is a mean enough place that we want to get rid of that meanness. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. By sharing something... With our listeners about somebody who did something great. That's good. Yes. That's good. All right. So my neighbor says, oh, you don't want to eat liver. Liver is a Mm. filter. Liver collects up all the poisons. In fact, if you eat a cow's liver, you're eating all the toxins that that cow has ever had in its diet. I heard somebody tell me not to eat liver because then you were like Hannibal. You know, Hannibal Hannibal Lecter. I ate his liver. With some fava beans and a fresh Chianti. <laughs> anyway, sounds so, delicious. Okay, so yes, the liver is responsible for getting sir, getting rid of certain toxins. Uh-huh. So, coffee filter. Okay, you drink coffee. What do you right. do? You put the coffee in there, and it filters out the toxins. So someone told me, just like you, you want to eat the coffee filter, then you're eating a liver, just right. like that. Right. No. Okay, so what you need to know is the liver 
gets rid of toxins, not by trapping them, like a coffee filter does. Okay. The liver produces enzymes. What are enzymes? They are little tiny proteins that latch on to the toxins, yeah. convert them into a non-toxic substance, which you then either release through poop or mm-hmm. you pee out, depending upon how the chemicals transform. So the way to look at it is not as a filter, but as a you know processor. Mm-hmm. So your the chemical goes in as poison A. Sure. And your liver says, okay, I've got a poison A enzyme, attaches to it. Yes. And turns it into something nice that you can just pee out. Okay, good. So your liver's not full of toxins. And the liver is good. It's got stuff in it. It's got right. vitamins. It's got, you know. That's, that's my liver. How about a cow's liver? Good. Same same thing. Good. Now, I, I will tell you something. This Every time I tell, tell people this, they think I'm making it up. There was a group that in my old church, a Catholic church, called the Knights of Columbus. Yeah. And at one point, they had a guy. They would have liver and onion dinners yeah. as fundraisers. It's delicious. I remember decades ago them having a liver and onions dinner for a guy who needed a transplant. A liver transplant. I think so. I think I remember it that way. Now, again, it was the, he would, the guy was old, and this is 20 years ago. Maybe I'm just remembering this incorrectly. But that's about the most impolite dinner. But does know. anybody else remember that people would have liver and onion dinners? Liver and onions are great. A, but, yeah. Well, let me ask you, the turkey. Sure. Okay. They inside, I forgot this The once. giblets. Well, no, the the neck and the they're all in plastic. Yes, they yeah. are. I didn't know that. So I cooked it with the liver and the plastic oh, no, inside. No. But anyway, I love it. Yeah. Now, let me tell you a funny story. My first honeymoon, okay, we didn't have any money. Uh-huh. And so this is in Nantucket Island. And, you know, that's the hoity-toities. We spent all our money on a nice little bed and breakfast, but we didn't have enough money for food. Wow. So, but it's easy. You can eat free in Nantucket because they have all these, um, uh, what are they called? Studios that they sell art. And they always have food there. Okay? (laughs) So you go in and eat the crackers and the cheese. They have little things of wine. Well, I'd never had pate. Okay. So pate is a liver paste that you eat. (laughs) So I took my, my... wife at the time and I took a big chunk of thing and we stuck it in our mouth and we never had it before. Yeah. We've never had it before. It's a taste that you need to get used to. Yeah. I looked at her, she looked at me, and we both went, oh my God. And we ran out of that place. Wow. We found an alley and went in the alley and spit it out. But now I like it. The other thing I really like <laughs> is foie gras. You know what that is? No. It's duck liver. And really? the PETA people, people for the ethical treatment of animals, want to get rid of it because it's made in a really terrible way. Oh, sure. I they would... force feed ducks oh, my gosh. to get fatty livers. Now, we don't have enough time. We yeah. talked about the liver. Yeah. Make sure I talk about fatty liver next time because it is a syndrome, a disease that can lead to problems, and it's diagnosed a lot now. Some people really don't have to worry about it, but there's a, a disease called fatty liver. Okay. And so we want to talk about that. Next week on the show, fatty liver and anything else we can think of in your phone calls. 
Write this number down, 919-860-9783. We'll be back next week, minus two hours. Next week at this time, minus two hours, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.